This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. It was one of the core messages of Donald Trump on the campaign trail, and it continues to be one of the first things his administration wants to handle, the Affordable Care Act. The words repeal and replace have been very well known now for some time. The signature legislation of President Obama has managed to cover 20 million people with insurance, but the model appears to have issues in that the costs continue to rise and the level of choice that was promised is fading away in several states. So the question is, what needs to be done? We welcome in uh, Rob Field, who is professor of law and professor of health management at Drexel University. He joins us in studio. And on the phone with us is our old friend Bob Town, economics professor at the University of Texas in Austin, former professor here at the University of Pennsylvania. Rob, great to see you again. Thanks, Thanks. for coming in. Happy to be here. Bob, I hope that uh, life in Texas is suiting you well right now, my friend. It's very nice in Austin. Very nice. Uh, how much work do you th- do you expect to hear from the Republican-controlled Congress on the ACA here in the in the near term? Well, I think it it, it clearly is the top of their agenda is to you know find a repeal and replace. I think uh, the politics I think are going to make this a very complicated and delicate dance. Um, and and the challenge is that. Uh, in, if you repeal, then the whole thing can kind of unwind, and there's, you know, depending on kind of what you repeal, anywhere between 14 million to 23, 24 million people could be affected, um, and that could be a disaster. And so the, the, the GOP has to be very careful about how they go about this without leading to major disruptions. Rob? Well, first of all, I think maybe a tax on all those tacos would be a good place <laughs> right, to start. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. Maybe we wouldn't need as much of a health care plan. Um, the Republicans and Trump have been making what they call repeal and replace the centerpiece of their agenda. Yeah. Uh, really, since uh, for the Repo- for the congressional Republicans, since the law was passed, which is almost seven years ago, yeah. they've got to do something now. Um, they will be seen as ineffectual and useless if they don't do something, even if it's cosmetic. But they have just entered a minefield, and they're going to be, have to be very careful with this step. But a lot of the the Republican establishment, uh, and especially uh, President-elect Trump, has come out and said that, look, I, I, there are elements to this, to the plan, that did work. And, and so... I, Maybe repeal and replace is just basically the moniker that sounded the best, you know, over the last several years, where we know that there will be a few elements to this that should be carried on. Sure. Well, repeal and replace, there's the alliteration of the two R's. I think that makes it a a great slogan. Um, They keep talking about a market-based plan, but this is the market-based plan. If you want to extend coverage, you can do it one of two ways. You can have a government, direct government plan, or you can use the market. And if you're going to use a market as complicated as healthcare, it's going to have to involve all sorts of incentives and tax breaks and regulations. And remember, this plan was originally developed by the Heritage Foundation, which is now sounding the drumbeat against it, um, in the late 1980s. And it's the basis for Romney Care. It is really the only way to use the market. If you're not going to use Obamacare, you can tweak it. 
you can make changes around the edges, but it's still going to have to look something like that. What are the pieces, uh, uh, Bob, what are the pieces in your mind that probably should be addressed if you look at some of the some of the plan that I mean, obviously, there are there are a lot of concerns because of the costs that are that are locked in. And the fact, as I mentioned at the top, the fact that the choice that was there at the outset of the plan is not necessarily there as much as we go into 2017. Yeah, I mean, so let me address the first question about the cost. I mean, the costs are increasing, but the reason they're increasing is because they came in so below forecasts initially. Right. Um, And so, and it's still way below kind of the initial forecast of the cost of a plan. Um, And um, so, so you know, currently, I think the average subsidy, you know, for somebody on the insurance on the on the exchanges, is around fifty five hundred dollars, and the CBO forecasted to be around $6,200. So it's a lot cheaper than people thought it would be. Now, that, that's causing some problems. The insurers are, and for the insurers, it's causing problems because they thought the premiums and the amount of revenue they were going to receive was going to be, you know, meaningfully higher than it currently is, um, which is causing them to exit the exchanges and in part causing them to exit the exchanges. Um, and causing this this problem of lack of choice. So the reason that um, there is a lack of choice is that the uh, ACA has been more successful in some dimensions than people anticipated. In the sense that it was it's costing a lot less to provide health insurance through the exchanges than than was forecasted. Yeah, this is an unappreciated fact that the Obama administration never hyped when it when it first happened. That premiums came down substantially yeah. in the individual market when the ACA went into effect. And I think what Bob is saying is maybe they went down too far. But even today, with these cost increases, they're still not as high as they would be without the ACA. So we're not really seeing this. Uh, um, death spiral right. uh, th- that's been discussed. It's still a cost problem for a lot of people, no question, and, and that requires some fixing. Um, but it's not the death spiral, um, the unexpected cost explosion that people have been talking about. It, it, of some of the areas that uh, that President-elect Trump has talked about, one of the things that he has discussed that he thinks is important to keep is the is the possibility of people with pre-existing conditions being able to still get insurance. How important is that to you watching this whole program play out? Well, that's the core of it. Yeah. Uh, is, is really the people who could not have gotten coverage before the ACA because they had a pre-existing condition who were basically locked out of insurance unless yeah. they had an employer plan or a government plan who now can get it. So as bad as the high deductibles are in the narrow networks, it's still insurance. It's still at least catastrophic insurance. And before the ACA, they couldn't get it. Now, can they still implement that, guarantee everyone coverage regardless of how sick you are mm-hmm. without the Obamacare structure? It seems highly unlikely that they could do it without something that's in many ways similar. Bob? Yeah, I, I agree. But you also need, I mean, keeping some of the provisions and getting jettisoning other provisions can, you know, be a problem because they're kind of interrelated. So, for example, keeping the pre-existing condition um, requirement in the legislation, but not including community rating, which is basically requiring people to pay the same premium independent of their health status, right. you know, 
um, could be a problem, right? So you can say, I will guarantee somebody with cancer health insurance, but you have to pay a lot, lot more than, than somebody who doesn't have cancer. Um, and that, that can cause um, some challenges, um, at least politically. You know, the market actually could function maybe a little bit better than it currently does under those rules, but, um, but it can um, lead to people, you know, a political disaster where you know, premiums for people with cancer are going up by several, you know, several fold, and uh, that's a political nightmare. How important to you, uh, uh, Bob, is the, uh, the the piece that President Trump is talking about, about uh, pay, potentially repealing the idea of the fines for people that don't have the coverage? Yeah, again, that could be, uh, I think we don't really know how big a deal that's going to be. Right. And, and my if you got rid of that provision and kind of adjusted how premiums are set on the uh, on the exchanges, it probably wouldn't be a big deal, but I, I don't think we uh, 100% know. Rob? Yeah. Um, how are we going to develop a risk pool that's insurable? Um, yeah. We need to get healthy people into the risk pool. It's The, the mandate is, is a clumsy way of doing it. The penalty, a lot of people are escaping from it. Uh, people have to pay it resented very much. There are other ways of going about it, but there's got to be some mechanism. Do we know how you know what the percentages are at this point of people that are – I mean, if, if you potentially are going without the health coverage – are people and what percentage of them are being actually fined for not carrying the coverage? I don't. Maybe Bob knows the exact number. Uh, there, there's a substantial number, but there's also a substantial number who either fall through the cracks or have right. financial hardship or get out of it some other way. Bob? Yeah, I don't know the uh, the exact number either, um, although almost everybody on the exchanges is getting a subsidy. So, so right. um, but but there, there are, you know, the unemployment, Uninsurance rate is around eight and a half percent or so. So there are, you know, people who are, um, who uh, are certainly uh, being fined for it. But you know, for for some people, these fines are pretty small uh, right now. So, um, you know, if I were going to bet, you know, I think you would see the the risk pool worsen a bit if you got rid of the the provision. Um, but that could be adjusted by uh, changing kind of the premium structures, and so that would bring people perhaps back into the the risk pool. But as this potentially will play out, is this a situation, Bob, where you can't you can't go in and make one or two changes now and then make a couple of more a year down the road? You have to have a full plan laid out before you can really actually tackle this and and make the changes that that could potentially you know improve some of the issues within the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, well, the insurers are going to have to make a decision whether they want to continue to to participate or not come, you know, late spring, early summer. Um, and that decision is going to be contingent upon what they see um, being the replacement going forward. And the more uncertainty you inject into the, the this decision, the more uh, likely the insurers are just going to um, bail out. And then they'll have a bigger problem where instead of having one insurer in some places, they have zero insurers and in, in, in places and the number of insurers dropping out increases. So, you know, I think that is a 
big and immediate challenge that they have to face. They have to provide some assurance to the uh, carriers that that, um, whatever is going to be replaced makes sense for them to participate in. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to the phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 111 for the show, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. And actually, we go to Twitter right now, a comment from at Aspen Trading 10. Why replace it? Let the market figure it out. Get government out of it. Tired of seeing my premiums double. Well, we did have the government out of the individual market up until 2014, and we know exactly what happened. There were millions of people who couldn't get coverage. For them, there was no market. What the ACA did was create a market that didn't exist before. You can call it an example of market failure. The market on its own will not cover sick people. Insurers cannot do that. They've tried, and it doesn't work. So if you want to cover everyone, the government has to do something, either a direct plan or something like the ACA. Rob? Rob? I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think you know the the you know having the government out of healthcare um, implies that a lot of people are not going to have access to healthcare. So, right. so you know if you want to live in that world, so be it. But I think we as a society have made the joint decision that that you know having um, a vast uh, part of a population uninsured and having limited access to healthcare is not um, a route we want to go. And you know. The government's in, you know, with or without the ACA, the government's involved in, you know, 40 to 50 percent of of uh, healthcare spending in a direct way. So, you know, the ACA is just kind of a, a fringe part of that mm-hmm. in some sense. And so, um, you know, getting rid of the ACA is not um, is not going to change dramatically government's role in healthcare. It's just a a very um, a very uh, obvious place and gets a lot of attention. What are the things, uh, uh, Bob, that, that you would like to potentially see change, that, that there could be some tweaks down the road? Yeah, this is going to be a little bit in the weeds, but, but I think one of the, the big problems is how the subsidies are set. Uh, and the way the subsidies are set on the ACA is that they're kind of pegged to the premium of the second lowest silver plan. So if some, if a, uh, a insurer sets a very low premium on their silver plan, then it means the subsidy is going to be uh, quite low. Um, and what that's what's happened is a lot of insurers come in kind of lowballing their premiums, uh, understanding that this is the dynamic and the subsidies um, have been low, making it very unprofitable for a lot of insurers to to uh, offer a product on the exchanges. So I think they need to, to revisit kind of how the subsidies are set, um, and, and I think that would be an, uh, an important. Um, thing to change, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. The um, uh, the other issue I think is worth addressing is the way uh, premiums vary by age. Right now, there's a three-to-one ratio, so that if uh, you're a young person, um, you're going to pay only one-third of what a, you know the oldest person would pay. Now, that's not actuarially kind of how healthcare costs increase with age. It increases at kind of more at four or five um, to one, and so they probably should should kind of affix that. They're they're providing an, an inherent um, cross subsidization between the young to the old, um, and that's going to cause the young to not want to participate in the exchanges because right. their premiums would be higher than they would otherwise. And so that's something I think that they should revisit. Right. 
I think it's worth mentioning that we've been talking about the exchanges for the last 20 minutes or so, and that's where most of the media attention is. Yeah. And that's the most visible part of this. The ACA has layer upon layer beneath that. Uh, there are all sorts of programs intertwined without the healthcare, throughout the healthcare system, and we really don't have any idea about what a replacement plan would do to those. Paul Ryan's plan, called A Better Way, has some elements of what he would do for things like comparative effectiveness analysis for different treatments and and some changes to Medicare and so forth. But just, I mean, I, I could I'll, I'll list a couple of accountable care organizations: integration through hospitals, um, generic versions of uh, biotechnology drugs, sure. medical student loans. Um, all of that is key to the healthcare system now, and you can't pull the plug on that. So we have heard almost nothing about what would happen to that. And if you're a hospital executive uh, or a physician practice, that's crucial. Well, and Medicare as well, right? Um, Medicare, both in terms of the proposals to privatize it and turns it in, turn into a voucher program, yeah. and what the ACA did for Medicare. It closed the donut hole for the prescription drug coverage. It added yeah. incentives for quality, the, the readmission penalties, the never events penalties. Um, it added new purchasing uh, plans for uh, value-based purchasing for products and drugs. Um, there are changes throughout the system that uh, – uh, Something's got to be – either they're going to be kept or they're not, and we have no idea uh, what the Republican Congress wants to do with that. Bob? Yeah, I think you know, Rob is right on point here is that, that there's all kinds of provisions in the ACH to, to that – affect, you know, Medicare enrollees. And I think, you know, I don't think the Republicans wouldn't have gotten the votes if it, they were um, going to campaign on, on um, having the uh, Medicare enrollees pay more for their prescription drugs, which is if they repealed the ACA, that is exactly what would happen. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, kind of what they want to keep and what they want to jettison and modify is really um, – a challenge because there's a lot of provisions I think within the ACA that are broadly uh, popular, and um, sort of dumping those is going to cause a huge backlash. The other important part of the ACA was the expansion of Medicaid. That's where most of the gains and um, the reduction of the uninsurance rate occurred was through the expansion of, of Medicaid, and kind of how they they. Um, they address that issue, how they're going to address the Medicaid. Are they going to block grant it, which means kind of give a fixed payment to the states, or whether they're going to do some other approach is also going to be extremely important in how this plays out. It's interesting. Uh, uh, we're in the studio and, and uh, watching one of the uh, uh, the the, uh, the business TV networks, and they just put up a, a look at all of the, well, some of the, the big uh, medical company stocks, and they are all significantly lower today as – uh, as Bob, this is just this is playing out right as we are speaking it, uh, speaking about it with everything going on on Capitol Hill, and obviously these companies are are, are concerned about where uh, where this could all be going to. Yeah, and their investors in particular. The Dow is up today. The health insurance stocks are getting hammered. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, at least the investors see this as a big issue. Bob. Yeah. No. It's it's you know for healthcare companies the ACA was you know a. Uh, for the most part, a great thing, right? It expanded health insurance coverage, um, which meant there was greater demand for medical care products um, and and for hospital services and physician services. And, and so, you know, repealing the ACA in a very stark way would suddenly reduce the demand for all of these products and services. And that's 
reason you're seeing a lot of concern in the markets. Can the voucher system that's been bandied about, has that, can that work? It can work. It depends how you structure it. And, and you know, there's been various, you know, um, kind of approaches to it. You know, the ACA is essentially kind of a voucher program. Yeah. So it, to, 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 to say, you know, this is, you know, a voucher program would be different than the ACA. It's, it's basically the same thing. And it's kind of roughly how um, we, we work Medicare Advantage and the private parts of Medicare Advantage. So um, it can work. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, there's a very small needle you have to thread in how you design these things because it's right. easy to mess it up. Um, but it absolutely can work. Um, talk about regulation. Uh, it would only work if it's heavily regulated. Uh, it's one thing to cherry pick the younger elderly who are healthy and provide them private coverage. But a 90-year-old with Alzheimer's, how yeah. are you going to make yeah. sure the coverage is accessible for them? Uh, there's another issue, again, beneath the radar here, is that Medicare's presently structured does more than just provide coverage for the elderly. It covers medical education. Uh, it, hospital training. Once people graduate from medical school, it covers indigent care for a lot of hospitals. So if you privatize it, who's going to pay for those things? And I haven't seen anything in any of the proposals that addresses that. 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call. 844-942-7866. If you'd like to jump in and ask a question, we're talking about the uh, potential changes that we may see to the Affordable Care Act coming up in the next several months. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Or if you can't get to the phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, actually, a comment from Senator Schumer. Uh, who uh, was just part of a news conference uh, in Washington, D.C. The Republican plan to cut health care wouldn't make America great again. It would make America sick again. How do you um, respond to that, Rob? <laughs> well, since there is no plan, we really don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, the uncertainty is certainly not making us greater. Right. Bob? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It really depends on, you know, what the plan is and what it looks like. Um, and there are versions of, of the Republican plan that's been banning about that, that would probably not work very well. And then there's other versions that, that aren't that different from what is currently implemented and would kind of tweak things around the edges. Um, and so the changes would be probably modest. So it really depends what is um, enacted. What do you think ends up happening to the Affordable Care Act it, You know, if we're ballparking this a couple of years out? Bob? Yeah, boy. You know, I think it really, and, and I think it's really hard to know because I think we have a rough idea what the Republican Republicans in Congress want to do, but we really have no idea what uh, President-elect Trump wants to do, and and that's the that's a real wild card because we don't know kind of where he's coming out on how much he wants to um, change the ACA and how much he wants to keep, and and, and it's hard to kind of you know if if. They were, you know, smart. They'd probably change it around the edges and just relabel it. But I'm not sure that that's kind of politically where they are. So if we can divide this into three parts, uh, the part that's totally below the radar, uh, what I was talking about, the donut hole under Medicare and accountable care organizations and generic biosimilars, um, I think those will remain in place. The experiments may not be as vigorously enforced uh, by uh, Department of HHS uh, under Tom Price and, and under Trump, uh, but I think those basic programs will remain at least on paper, and a future administration, uh, 
Democrats in particular would be able to pick that up. Medicaid, they're talking yeah. about block granting. I don't know if they'll be able to go that far, but I would guess that there's a lot more state flexibility under Medicaid that's going to come out of this. The exchanges are the big question mark. Yeah. I don't see them completely getting rid of that because there would be so many people dump, dying on the streets, as, as Trump referred to. Um, but I think they'll be look very different, and I think there'll be a lot more people falling through the cracks who won't be covered. But they would them. like to. They would like to continue a system where that the states do have. You know, a, a level of say in this. They would want to keep the state exchanges open. Um, yes. And I think there will be more state flexibility. Um, those states that have their own exchanges, it, the government may not provide as generous subsidies, but it's unlikely that they would say no to those states. After all, federalism is, has always been a, a Republican rallying cry. Right. Um, but in terms of things like the vigorousness of the penalties and the mandate, the generousness of the subsidies, the extent of regulation for what kinds of benefits have to be covered, I think those will all be loosened. Great to have you both. Uh, uh, Rob, it's great to catch up with you. We greatly appreciate your time. Bob, great to talk to you from Texas. Uh, enjoy your time down there. Thank you very much. You got it. Uh, Bob Field, or, or I should say uh, Bob Town from the University of Texas at Austin, Rob Field from uh, Drexel University. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.